0: This is Inside Purple and
1: Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. Tom Schreier not here today. He's over out in Egan um, covering the coordinators. Um, With us now, Mitch Widmeyer. He's in digital content creation for Valley Sports North in Wisconsin. He's here to help us kind of break down the Packers game coming up. Um, Huge game coming up this weekend. Obviously, the rivalry matchup. Vikings trying to hold on to the number two seed. Packers essentially in the playoffs already they're they're in playoff (laughs) mode need to win need to win out and need a little bit of help um, to make the playoffs Mitch thanks for joining us really appreciate it Um, always like to kind of get a little bit of you know perspective from the other side as we head into a a big matchup like this
0: yeah it is a a big one Packers have been in playoff mode for uh, a couple of weeks now really going back to the Bears game I guess before Mm -hmm. the bye week knew they had to win out to at least have a chance uh, like a 3% chance to make the postseason, obviously ripping off three straight. And I think most people who uh, aren't Packers fans would probably say it's predictable that just about every single result the last couple weeks that Green Bay's needed to fall their way has fallen their way. So now they're a half game behind Washington for the last spot.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, this this weekend, a perfect example, a perfect microcosm of that. I think the Giants, the Seahawks, the Commanders all losing, the Packers winning.
0: Lions lost, yeah. Lions
1: lose, too. (laughs) Yep. like a perfect five for five on Christmas and during the Christmas season. Mitch, I want to ask, like, the Packers, obviously, they've rattled off three straight. Like you said, they've been in playoff mode for much of the last month. Are are they figuring it out? Are they good? Or is this a case of them beating a Bears team that is not good, a Rams team in, in dysfunction, and a quarterback last week in Tua that was concussed for the second half?
0: Yeah, so I was telling a, a good amount of my friends who are Packers fans to kind of like just chill out a little bit because I thought what you were just saying, like they beat a Bears team who they historically in the Aaron Rodgers era pretty much destroy uh, most years in the two matchups. They beat a Rams team that was already out of it, brought in Baker Mayfield, who to his credit has played pretty well in two out of the three games that he is, uh, started for LA. I thought the real test was. The Miami game and Tua was abysmal. Now we find out the concussion protocol um, yeah, that he's going through now, and that he probably dealt with during the second half of that game against Green Bay. I it feels. You remember a few years ago was it 2016 when Rodgers made the the run the table comments Correct. and Green Bay ripped off uh, six straight to finish the regular season? That team felt like it was gelling, coming together, figuring out the pieces of the puzzle. This team's winning games but they're still making blatant errors and mistakes that they made when it wasn't going so good at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the season. They had only one turnover against Miami last week. They've turned it over more this year than they have any other season in the Matt LaFleur era. Uh, There was a miscommunication on a handoff between Rogers and Dylan in the red zone that ended up on the ground, but AJ Dylan dove back on it against Miami. They still abandoned the run game completely at just bizarre times uh, I, I You probably remember week one against Minnesota. Granted, the Vikings built up a, a pretty strong lead, but Green banded up uh, just completely throwing the run game to the side in the second half. Aaron Jones finished with five carries. And A.J. Dillon like, started the year pretty slow, but he is really getting hot late in the season. So they still abandon the run game at just kind of wacky times. They turn it over more. That hasn't really gone away despite the win streak. It doesn't feel like twenty sixteen, I think it was like I said when Roger said we're gonna we can run the table and then they won six straight. Yes, they've won three in a row. Yes, I believe they could beat Minnesota and Detroit, but this doesn't to me at least, it doesn't feel like um some sort of fairy tale
1: for the Packers where this is gonna end with a long playoff run. I do remember that season. And yeah. I remember it from a Minnesota perspective um, covering <laughs> the Vikings seeing like the Packers like like oh they're hot like they can and and that team did feel like if, if this team can get in if this team can truly run the table like it felt like they could win the Super Bowl um, yes because they were gelling um, because Aaron Rodgers was what five six years younger in the peak of his prime because he had star receivers around him well what is the, the Aaron Rodgers relationship with the Packers what's it been like to kind of cover in, in more of that Packers echo chamber this year? Cause we see it um, from afar. What has that relationship looked like on, on kind of a weekly basis um, as someone who follows the team in, in Wisconsin?
0: Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> one clear thing for Rogers that everyone can see, whether you follow this team, cover this team or not is the last couple of seasons. He is kind of, unleashed his personality i guess if you want to put it lightly like he is saying what he thinks whether it's yeah. on his like weekly pat mcafee show appearances whether it's in his press conferences like he's not really holding back on many topics whether it's football uh related or not and obviously that's gotten him in a bit of <laughs> not trouble but a bit of uh like hot water, I guess you could say, uh, mm-hmm. especially when the the COVID stuff was going on. And I I believe that most people want the players and the coaches to not give the boring answers, to not do coach speak. Um, like I listen to the Levitard show a lot, and they have like a weekly segment dedicated to coaches' sound bites where they're just saying like the coach speak answers. And so I I appreciate that Rogers is like giving a glimpse inside of like who he is, but it obviously rubs some people the wrong way. Just kind of these last couple of years, he, when it comes to that sort of thing, he just doesn't seem like he gives a damn. He just is. He is who he is. at Saying what he wants to say. And he's not really shying away from any topics. So that part of it has really changed. Um, And typically I think people would uh, appreciate that, but Sometimes he takes it right up to that edge where you're like, yeah, maybe, maybe shy away from this topic." You know what I mean, Dane? And, right, right. and he will just keep diving in. So yeah, I think that aspect of it has changed a lot.
1: For sure. Are are the is the team still behind him though? Like it's pretty clear, right? Like he still has the Packers um, believing that they can win these final two games. Like it's not something where I guess you can correct me if I'm wrong. Like you've seen people jump off the ship. In, in denver with with russell oh. wilson you've seen like Derek carr he's being benched this week i know there's things in in the contract involved in in that decision and not just the, the play of the team does rogers still have the belief of of the teammates and and, and the people around him um to to kind of get this done and, and regardless of like you said being a little more outspoken in the past few years um does do the does the team still rally and believe him
0: Yeah, I think a a big indicator too, Dane, or something that helps Rodgers' case. First off, yes, I think they absolutely do, or else I don't think they find a way to beat Miami. I don't think they find a way to come back from, I think it was 10 down against Chicago in the fourth quarter in Chicago to win that game. So yes, to answer your question, and I think a big helper in that is some of these past instances, the run the table comments, it didn't not happen. They ended up winning the last six regular season games. The year they won the Super Bowl, they snuck into the playoffs and then went on the road in Philly, on the road in Atlanta, on the road in Chicago, won all of those games before taking on or beating the Steelers uh, in Jerry World in Dallas. So he's had a couple of past instances of this. Packer fans are a bit spoiled. They're used to being like a, a shoe in for the playoffs, a guaranteed lock spot. And that's been the case, especially in the Matt LaFleur era. Now that script has kind of flipped this year. Had And Rodgers didn't make any guarantees before this three-game win streak, but I think some of his past successes in similar spots give some of these younger guys especially belief that like, hey, we have Aaron Rodgers. And I know you mentioned like it's not Rodgers five, six years ago, and it certainly isn't. And he's had his own uh, issues on the field this year, just not looking as, as razor sharp as he has in years past. And missing some open guys in critical spots. But I think just name recognition alone, Aaron Rodgers, y- even other teams are like, hey, they they might end up ripping off these last two and finding a way in. So, yeah, I think the team definitely rallies around them still.
1: It, it makes sense that you say that um, because, yeah, like guys like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, like young guys in the league now getting to play with Aaron Rodgers. Like If you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback heading into th- – two must-win games, like, you're probably going to feel like you have a pretty good chance. On the flip side of that, like, th- I haven't spoken to anyone in the Vikings locker room about this yet because they, under Kevin O'Connell, very much, like, the cliche, next week's the most important week. We're not looking any further than that. If you gave them some truth serum, though, and said, like, which team do you not want to play in, in in wildcard weekend, like, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers would be number one for sure. Like, if the Packers sneak in at the seven seed, I guess if they – if the Packers get the seven seed, there is a chance the Vikings drop to three because inherently that would mean the Vikings have lost. I do think the, the Niners probably went out, and if they're tied, like the Niners would jump to the two seed. But if there is a matchup at some point where where Green Bay and Minnesota are playing, and and everyone in Minnesota, the the, the jilted sports fans of Minnesota, can kind of do this storybook, like, well, what's the worst case scenario thing down the road? It's Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers coming into the Vikings stadium on a Sunday for Wild Card weekend and Rodgers and the Packers beating the Vikings to ruin what was a to this point of a, a magical season. So it makes sense that the people in that locker room believe in Aaron Rodgers because I think people in opposing rock locker rooms are still very, very, very afraid of that man, even if he, like you said, isn't the, the guy he was. Um, you know, in the in the peak of his prime, he's still Aaron Rodgers and and still capable of kind of rattling off wins and and kind of instilling the fear of God in, in, in opposing teams on a weekly basis.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think uh one of the big things you take if, if you take Dallas out of it because they're the clear cut top wild card team, um assuming that you know the Eagles don't lose out and Dallas wins out. Um, you you look at the other teams that are in the mix for those last two spots and no disrespect to anyone, but it's it's Daniel Jones and it's now Carson Wentz, and I, I think the Lions are actually a pretty dang good team. Yeah, um, maybe just a, a couple pieces away on the defensive side, but I think they're a good team. But a lot of people say, "Well, it's still you know Jared Goff who's been to a Super Bowl, but it's Goff, it's not Rogers." And then it was a great story at the beginning of the year for Geno Smith in Seattle, but that is uh, fizzled out, and certainly not all Geno Smith, but the team as a whole um, has really started to instead of ride a roller coaster, they're just on a, on a downhill trajectory. So when you just look at quarterbacks alone that are in the hunt for those last two spots, and it's Wentz and it's Jones and it's Goff and it's Geno Smith and it's Rodgers, Rodgers, I think, unanimously is the one that is feared the most, even though, like we were saying, Dane, the, this Packers team doesn't feel like it's destined to make some sort of deep run, in the playoffs, for the issues we've brought up, like the turnovers, the abandoning of the run game, even defensively, they, they get gashed on the ground week in and week out. I, I, I was puzzled that Miami on the opening drive with Raheem Mostert just shoved it right down the throats of Green Bay's defense. And then they went away from the run game. And they had the big play with Waddle. They had a huge connection with Tyreek Hill down inside the five yard line. But Green Bay is horrible against the run, and Miami just. Kind of went away from it, so yeah, I I think because it is Rodgers, and we've seen it before, um, that he is probably feared in other locker rooms. But when you put it together as a as a whole picture, I just I, I don't see it for this Packers team. I think Vikings fans are like I lived in Minneapolis for three years, uh-huh. and so I've I've seen that side of it you certainly like you just don't want to see yeah. Aaron Rodgers because of what could happen. Exactly. Like, are the Vikings a better team this year? Absolutely. And a lot of people are saying like, Oh, it's fluky and look at like uh, the luck percentages and estimated wins. If you factor who cares. like, they're 12 and three, they won the division. They're a good team and they're wildly entertaining to watch. But just, I think for Minnesota fans, and you could speak to this perhaps better, but it's just the possibility of, of Rogers coming in and potentially ruining the season in Minnesota. It just, it sticks in your brain as a possible outcome on tell it
1: isn't a reality. For sure. And, and like to that point, like I think the Packers are, they have more to play for like inherently this weekend. Cause like if they lose their season is pretty much over. But the Vikings have a lot to play for, too, because you can essentially end the Packers season this weekend. You can say, OK, we don't want to play Aaron Rodgers at any point in the playoffs. If we win this week, we don't have to. So you're right about that. Um, when we come back, I, I want to talk about the defense because um, you mentioned it. I thought had a thought watching the game the other day. I wanted to ask you about it um, more on that one when we come back with uh, Mitch Whitmire. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, joined today by Mitch Widmeyer. He's in digital content creation for Valley Sports North in Wisconsin. Um, we talked a lot about just playoff implications of the game itself, um, just kind of on a macro perspective. want to dig a little bit more into kind of the intricacies of what could end up deciding this game. Obviously, as we talked about in segment one, like Aaron Rodgers could inherently just end up deciding this game. He's done it time and time and time again throughout his career. Um, regardless of nfc north post Um, but mitch talked about the defense and that's something i want to dig into the vikings defense has been porous this season um if aaron Rodgers and and his receiving core who have had a shaky road this season if if they click at any point uh, on sunday they're going to be able to carve up that vikings defense saw it on the first play from scrimmage this year Uh, christian watson should have had a 75-yard touchdown i would not put it past him to have a long touchdown this week. Um, The Vikings defense under Ed Donatel, they play high to low. Their principles are do not let anything get behind you yet. They can constantly let people get behind. So uh, on the flip side of that though, Joe Barry's defense, it's left a bit to be desired this season. um, Just watching from afar. And I want to hear your perspective on this because they have talent across the board. Like we were going through, my co-host, uh, me and Tom Schreier, were talking about the defense yesterday in, in Wednesday's episode and naming guys and, like, how is this defense not better? <laughs> they have, obviously, Kenny Clark, who's wreaked havoc on the Vikings, you know, up front for for years. Uh, Jair Alexander, one of the highest-paid corners in the league. Devondre Campbell, the great player. Um, Preston Will, you know, this, like, great player. Like, how, how are, are they so... Average mediocre when they have big name players across the board?
0: It is a, a great question that I think a lot of Packers fans would like to have the answer for. Um I think part of it is aggression. Joe Barry's scheme kind of leans toward uh kind of pinning your ears back, a lot of zone coverage, not a lot of press man at the line of scrimmage. And the players, what makes it baffling, Dane, is Green Bay's drafted and developed players jair alexander eric stokes scooping up rasul douglas and finding a diamond in the rough and then re-signing him those are three corners all three of them who want to get in your face jam you at the line of scrimmage and trust their skill set for eric stokes trust his physicality and his speed Mm -hmm. and joe barry's defense just they're kind of a sit back see what happens keep everything in front of us try to prevent the big play, which even at times they struggle doing. It's it is a great question. I I, I don't know if there is you know one specific answer, but I think the players that they have and a lot of the premier players they have, I always look at the secondary with the three headed monster I just mentioned. Even though Stokes is gone for the year, they don't at times Green Bay when whether it's Barry or whoever, obviously the easy finger to point is at the D.C. They don't put these players in advantageous spots right. based on what they do well. Uh, so that's that's one big thing. Every team goes through injuries too, but when they lost Rayshon Gary, he had six sacks in eight games and then tore his ACL in Detroit. That was huge. And, and uh, Kingsley Enagbari, rookie out of South Carolina, has filled in pretty well. Yeah, I mean, Rayshon Gary is a different animal and they, they've missed him on the edge because Preston Smith, you mentioned his name. He's still been great. Uh, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, has been phenomenal for Green Bay. Uh, Seems like every time there's a tackle made and there's a a mini pile or a handful of players in the vicinity, Quay Walker's always just right there um, making plays. So yeah, it is kind of baffling. And I know there were a lot of Packer fans last week saying like, oh, look at all the turnovers they forced uh, against Miami. They forced four of them in three picks by Tua. I did not think one of those interceptions by Jair, Rasul, or Devondre Campbell were like, wow, what a play by the defense. All three picks were like, oh my gosh, Tua. Yeah, like, why are you throwing that? Yeah. <laughs> overthrow, misread. I know uh, Mike McDaniel said on the Devondre Campbell pick, I think it was, that the running back ran the wrong route. Because if you watch that one, there was no one in the area except Devondre Campbell. Yeah. So you can't like knock the Packers for it. But I do think a lot of people... Who side with the green and gold are trying to do this thing where it's like, well, hey, the defense is starting to force turnovers. And at least in that game against Miami, it was Miami just shooting itself in the foot over and over and over again. It wasn't the Packers making these like incredibly instinctual plays or Joe Barry having them in spots to, you know, like fool Tua uh yeah. in the passing game. It was just Tua not
1: having a good game at all. Yeah. And and as we found out, Tua being maybe probably likely concussed for the second half probably and yeah. in, in, in some of those decision-making throws. You, you mentioned Mitch, um, Jair Alexander, just like the player that he is. Correct me if I'm wrong. He did not shadow Justin Jefferson in week one. And I think he was pretty sure upset did. about that because Justin Jefferson popped off for 184, um kind of started this MVP caliber season. He won't win the MVP because quarterbacks win the MVP and quarterbacks only. Um, but if there's a t- player that is, most important to his team. Um, Justin Jefferson's right at the top of that list. But Jair was pretty pissed that he didn't shadow him in week one, correct?
0: Yeah, he mentioned, I don't even want to try to paraphrase because it was all the way back in week one, but he didn't mince his words. Um, he didn't point the blame like at Lafleur or uh, Joe Barry or anything like that. But in his postgame presser, he mentioned, the prospects of like, hey, like he gave Justin Jefferson his flowers like this is one of the best receivers in the game. Mm-hmm. I think I'm one of the best corners in the game. He, something like that. Like I I want to be matched yeah. up with him in those spots. The Vikings did such a great job of motioning Jefferson in week one, sending him from one side to the other. And there were multiple times where he ended up being matched up with uh, Green Bay safety Darnell Savage or a yeah, linebacker yeah. Devondre right. Campbell on a couple of instances. And Savage isn't even in like he's not he didn't even start anymore for green Bay now. And yeah, that was pretty miserable. I I still, as crazy as it sounds, I I think I don't see Joe Barry, like letting Jair shadowing Justin Jefferson this weekend, because it's just not in his blueprint. It's it's not what he does. You remember like uh, uh, last year, was it two years ago when the Packers played the Rams in the playoffs? I think it was two years ago. And there was a lot of hype around Devontae Adams and Jalen Ramsey in that matchup and the Rams do something similar with Ramsey where he's not he's so good but he's not shadowing wide receivers and there were a couple of instances where Devontae went in motion he was going like this to Ramsey like come on like come follow me and uh, so Jefferson can do that if he wants this week and I don't think Barry's scheme will allow for much like mirroring from from Jair which uh, even as like a neutral, if you're a neutral fan, if you're not a Packers yeah. fan or a Vikings fan, that matchup would be so fun to watch because both of them are premier talents, but they're also really good at John. Like, you know, there'd be some barking going back and
1: forth on both sides. It'd be
0: incredibly fun to watch, but I think we'll be robbed of that opportunity.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the interview by Jair Alexander post game, um, on television it was world-class last oh. week. and you're right. Like both those guys between that and, and Justin Jefferson, he like jaws in like the most casual way like he'll just kind of say things to, during his weekly press conference that you're like you're talking shit right now but like you're doing it in a really cool way that like <laughs> yeah. doesn't sound like super arrogant But yeah you're right like i get it like i get the scheme is the scheme but man it would be fun to watch that um it would be fun to watch them go toe to toe like in america's game of the week and on national television on new year's day where everyone's going to just be sitting at home on the couch anyway probably
0: with a lot on the line too.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it would be cool to watch that. It doesn't sound like we're going to get it. Um, and I think the most effective way to stop Justin Jefferson would be to probably throw giant Alexander on him and just say, stick with him. Um, another effective way is just to blow up the, the interior line of the Minnesota Vikings, which has struggled at times this year. Um, Kenny Clark's made a living kind of just wrecking the center and the guards around that. So, <laughs> If you kind of cut the head of the snake off Kirk cousins and and don't allow him to throw the ball at Justin Jefferson might be a way to stop him, but no one has really figured out a a, a true way to stop that guy this season. Um, So I find it hard to believe that, that anyone's going to right now. It a couple of games here and there where um, he's underperformed. Um, He's been spectacular week in and week out. Mitch, before I let you go, I want to ask about, you know, offensive side of the ball. Christian Watson kind of coming into his own Romeo Dobbs coming into his own after his injury. Like, is there an X factor this weekend? Like, or is it someone just as simple as like Christian Watson? Like, is there an X factor on the side of the ball for the Packers that we might not be thinking about in Minnesota that you're like, be careful. This guy could get you. Or is it just what you see is what you get. And if if Rodgers and, and his young receivers and that two headed monster in the backfield perform, um, that's going to be enough.
0: I think if Watson doesn't play, it's Christian Watson being the X factor because he's out. Sure. Um, Didn't practice on Wednesday, had the hip injury, left the game against Miami, didn't play in the second half. Um, There was a, the camera picked him up on the sideline telling a teammate, like, uh, they said I'm done for the day and (laughs) he didn't have his helmet and found out he had the hip injury. So I, if he plays, he just opens up, Dane, so much of the passing game. Sure. Like I, The Packers passing game has been so up and down this year, which is crazy to say because you know, Rodgers, you're having one back-to-back MVPs, but you lose Devontae Adams, you lose Marquez Valdez scaling, it's going to take some sort of hit, and you try to refill that with uh, rookies like Dobbs and Watson, it's just going to take time. But Watson was in and out of the lineup so much early on in the year, and Um, I'm sure you knew this, but entering the Rams game a couple weeks ago, Dobbs and Watson had played 52 snaps together on the field, which is just like it's so agitating if you're a Packers fan because you've seen the flashes and the promise with Dobbs. And Watson had that stretch of eight touchdowns, seven receiving, one rushing in a four-game stretch when he was finally back on the field. So um, I know it's kind of the the cop-out answer, but if Watson wasn't to play, I think it just – it closes up so much that Green Bay can do because you've seen defenses just pay him so much more attention and uh, garner so many more eyeballs towards him. Um, Once he broke out in that four-game stretch, it opens up opportunities for other guys in the passing game and even the running game for Green Bay. Um, I I truly think, like, they need Watson to play in this game. Otherwise – The offense kind of at times can become a a shell of itself. Mm -hmm. Identity wise, though, in this game, Green Bay has all the makings of a team that should be like 55, 45 run pass. But when you have Aaron Rodgers, it's almost impossible to try to convince anyone that that should be the case, even when you have young talent uh, on the perimeter. Uh, I, if you like Aaron Jones hardly touched the ball last week, AJ Dillon did, did all right. Um, but like Rodgers threw it 38 times. I think they had 24 runs mm-hmm. uh, against Miami. And that was a game that they had to claw back a little bit uh, trailing by double digits in the first half. But then in the second half, it was close again and they just kept uh, airing it out for the most part. I, I think if they can find a, a running game identity, these last two weeks dick with it, uh, it'll pay dividends because they are a good running football team and they have two really formidable backs. Um, so, Long way around it. the X Factor to me, yeah, probably is Christian Watson, but more so if he doesn't play, because then I think the offense will will struggle.
1: For sure. A lot on the line this weekend in Green Bay at Lambeau Field. Um, meaningful football in January. As, as Aaron Rodgers said, the Packers won all their meaningful games in December. Now they have to win all their meaningful games in January. <laughs> on the flip side of that, the Vikings basically trying to end the Packers season um, in week 17.
0: I mean, that's great too, right? Like just to like Vikings fans have a, like their team has a chance to just end it. I, I think the scenario, Dane, is if the Packers lose this week, their only way of getting to the playoffs is uh, beating the Lions in the finale, but also Washington, Seattle and Detroit would all have to lose out. lose out. And I know like the Lions play the Bears, Washington plays Cleveland at home, Dallas might not have much to play for in week 18. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's very unlikely that that would happen. Minnesota has a prime opportunity. Um, I'm going to throw one your way if you don't mind before we yeah. get going. To me, it would be a successful season for the Vikings if they they've won the North. If they were to, like, if Washington wins this weekend and Minnesota beats Green Bay, it's done. Like, Green Bay's eliminated. Vikings win the North, eliminate Green Bay in Lambeau in the second to last game of the season, and then let's say they make it to, like, the divisional round yes. and then maybe trip up at home or on the road against uh, San Francisco. Wouldn't, that would, in Kevin O'Connell's first year, I I know, like, every fan base, when you get a ticket to the dance, you want to win it all, but that would be... A successful season no like everything even like Justin Jefferson accomplished you win the north handedly and then the cherry on top to me would be if you can get a playoff win and I know fans want more and that's fine and the Vikings but I think if if you remove yourself like a month after the season ends and you look back and you're like won the division had some success in the playoffs and most importantly we took down Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and Lambeau Field. That that would be considered a success, or am I crazy for saying that? Hundred percent, yes. Yeah,
1: um, I think if you can knock the Packers out of the playoffs, um, that's already. Right. Like, they talk about like checking boxes, right? Yeah. Winning the North that's checking a box. I don't think knocking the Packers out of the playoffs in Lambeau Field was a box, but they'll certainly check that one. <laughs> yeah, to yeah, check it. Um, and then yeah, if you win a first round playoff matchup, roll the dice against a team in San Francisco, it looks more and more likely that that's going to be the matchup in the divisional round, um, barring an upset um, barring the Vikings losing in the first round or the Niners being upset. Um, We look like we're on the kind of a collision course for that being the matchup in, in, in the second round. If you win, yes, if you can knock Aaron Rodgers and the Packers out of the playoffs, if you win a playoff game and you end up losing the divisional round, fans will be disappointed. But as a whole, I think once, the the hurt of of losing in the playoffs prematurely goes away. You can look back on this season as like that was a pretty damn good season. If you lose in the first round to Aaron Rodgers, um it will be a failure, which is why the Vikings need to take care of business this weekend <laughs> um against Green Bay at Lambeau Field. Mitch, thank you so much for stopping by. This was a lot of fun. Um guys you can follow Mitch um M underscore Widmeier, That's W-I-D-M-E-I-E-R on Twitter. Nailed um, the
0: pronunciation too, man. That's a difficult one for some hey, people.
1: Look at that. Yeah, we, uh, we do our pre-scouting here on Inside <laughs> Purple and Gold. So Mitch, thank you so much for joining us. When we come back, we'll do a little purple prop party before we get out of here. Um, and then wish you guys a happy new year. And everyone prepare for that Sunday game in Lambeau Field. Um, Mitch, thanks again. Really appreciate having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. It's time for Purple Prop Party. We do this every Thursday. I guess this episode will release on Friday. Um, But we do it in advance of every game. So what better time to keep it rolling than before a Vikings-Packers game. It's getting the game of the week treatment. It'll be at 325 kickoff central time, 425 Eastern. And Green Bay is favored by three points. Uh, I think that line opened up at minus four. I saw it move a little bit this week. DraftKings Sportsbook has it finalized, at least as of recording this Thursday. Um, The episode will drop Friday. (laughs) Green Bay minus three this weekend, hosting the Vikings. Over under for that game, 47 and a half, as I said earlier, 325 kickoff central time. That's 425 Eastern time. I don't know how to feel about this game. Um, And as I said, we're recording on a Thursday. Uh, We've talked extensively, uh, uh, you know, about the Vikings and the Packers over the past few days. The Vikings have something to play for this week. They're trying to continue their hold on the number two seed. But Green Bay has more to play for. As me and Tom Schreier talked about in Wednesday's episode, Like Green Bay is basically in the playoffs from here on out. They're 7-8. and eight. They need to win out, essentially, and then get a little bit of help uh, with the, the commander's loss um, to make the playoffs. So, you know, I cover the NHL, too. I cover the Wild, and, and you talk a lot about the, de- the more desperate team. And, and that seems to be a hockey cliche more than any of them but I think it applies at times. Um, I think it is also sometimes a cop-out, but I think it does apply in certain games. Uh, The more desperate team usually comes out a little harder, uh, a little faster, a little stronger. And more often than not, you see the team that's playing with a little bit more desperation finish on top. Green Bay has more desperation this week. Um, They have more of a, you know, if we don't do this now, we won't have a chance mentality because of that. I, I think green Bay covers this weekend and I've pretty much picked the Vikings every single one of these purple prop parties to date. Um I've had a pretty good record doing that because the Vikings have had a pretty good record all season. Uh They're 12 and three. Um, I, I'm not sure I picked them to win every game. I don't know if I'm 12 and three, but pretty close to that. I think green Bay wins this weekend. Um, I think they cover that three-point spread. I think the three-point spread essentially is a home spread. Um, Green Bay and Minnesota are similar in in nature, according to Vegas, and Green Bay is getting the points because they're at home. As Tom kind of astutely summed up yesterday, the Vikings should look at this Green Bay team as the team they were preparing for week one, the team that everyone thought entering this season could win the North should win the North would likely win the North. Um, The fact that the Vikings are 12 and three and have already won the North uh, was not something prognosticators thought was going to happen. Certainly not 12 and three, but I don't even think a lot of people thought the Vikings had a chance of winning the North. I think green Bay was a team. A lot of people looked at as these guys, these guys are the team to beat until further notice Um, Rogers, despite that rocky relationship is going to get it done and then green bay can kind of take a back seat to the rest of the division when when Rodgers moves on as we've seen throughout the season that's not the case green bay hit a major lull midseason i think they lost 5 in a row um you're starting to see them figure it out now rodgers is still rodgers the vikings have been in so many close games that i do think if this one is is close at the end they might have the edge I just think a January game in Lambeau where Rodgers knows this team has to win to stay in the playoff race, I think the Green Bay Packers get it done. Um, I think they're going to have a hard time defending Justin Jefferson. I think the Vikings are going to be able to score with these guys. And Donatel's defense worries me. It's been better as of late. It's sent a little bit more pressure. It's been a little bit more multiple in its fronts. But I think when when the going gets tough, I think it's really hard to bet against Aaron Rodgers in a situation like this. And and Vikings fans out there might say, well, like, why are you betting against the Vikings in a game like this? All they've done this year is win, you know, eleven and zero in one score games. I, I think it'll be pretty close. Like I said, if it's close at the end, if it's tied late, I think the Vikings have an edge there. I, I just see this as a game where the Vikings probably playing catch up a little bit, and might not catch up essentially green bay gets out fast um like i said more desperate team gets out fast vikings try and play catch up can't catch up this time around so green bay minus three i like them to cover that spread the over under 47 and a half i like that to go over i think this is going to be as we've seen i I think it's going to be a shootout because of what we've seen out of both defenses this year ed donatel He's massively struggled this year as a defensive coordinator of the Vikings. Joe Barry massively struggled this year as a defensive coordinator of the Packers. <clears throat> Both of these offenses, I think, are ripe to kind of put their foot on the gas pedal and, and continue driving forward. So I, I expect a pretty high scoring game. But at the end of the day, like I said, I think the Packers covered this three point spread. <laughs> Moving on to player prop bets. Um, purple prop party, we give you a prop bet every week. Um, I don't give you a different one. It's it's always Justin Jefferson. It's always Justin Jefferson receiving yards. I've I've never strayed from that. Um, it became a bit at first, and now it's just like smart money to look at Justin Jefferson's receiving line and take the over. We've done it the past month. I think I've been right every time. Justin Jefferson's over under this week, 95 and a half take the over (laughs) why wouldn't I he's 95 and a half receiving yards I I think I talked about it with Tom this week like sure maybe maybe teams have figured out a way to limit him and his ability to go over the top and and catch that 50 yard bomb Um, don't let Justin Jefferson behind you pretty simple strategy the Vikings have found a way to kind of combat that by just force feeding him the ball by letting him win in the intermediate routes by letting him win at the line of scrimmage by throwing him screen passes like the last two weeks, whether it be in the overtime comeback victory against the Indianapolis Colts or the 61 yard Victor, you know, Greg Joseph field goal as time expired to beat the giants. The play that set up both of those field goals is just a, a tunnel screen to Justin Jefferson that he catches the ball at the line of scrimmage, maybe a yard in front of it and, and uses his, patience his speed his his overall ability to go gain yards even if the Green Bay Packers are able to keep Justin Jefferson from getting over the top which I'm not sure they are Um, we saw what he did in week one I think 184 in week one just running wide open on crossing routes Um, for some reason Jair Alexander not shadowing all of that come like compounded into Justin Jefferson kind of breaking out in week one, continuing that momentum moving forward. So even if the Packers are able to limit Justin Jefferson's ability over the top, which, like I said, I don't know if they will be able to do. He's going to get 15, 16, 17 targets in this game. Um, He's going to, and and if he gets those, he's going to haul in at least nine, at least 10 of those. Uh, It's like, it's, it's just smart money at this point to take the over because the Vikings find a way to get Justin Jefferson the ball. Also, the emergence of TJ Hawkinson last week, as Tom Schreier said in, in Wednesday's show, that helps Justin Jefferson. You can't just double triple team Justin Jefferson with, with TJ Hawkinson over the, running over the middle, running, a, you know, in routes, in breaking routes, like even the corner here and there. You have to respect that guy and that takes a little bit of pressure off Justin Jefferson on the outside or in the slot or wherever the Vikings choose to line him up. So I think Justin Jefferson goes over 95 and a half. I think that's a pretty easy bet. I'd be pretty surprised if he did not go over that number. The number I'm more interested in, and this sounds ridiculous, is 208 over under 208 and a half yards uh I would take the under because no person in their right mind is betting over 208 yards that would be a franchise record I, I think the franchise record before Justin Jefferson broke it against the Lions was 210 yards by Sammy White and that was I think that that held for like 40 years um Randy Moss didn't break it Chris Carter didn't break it Stefan Diggs didn't break it Adam Thielen once sniffed it um, and Justin Jefferson finally surpassed that 210 receiving yard total from Sammy White if Justin Jefferson gets 209 yards this week, he passes Calvin Johnson for the most receiving yards in a single season. That record is 1964. Calvin Johnson said it a heck of a long time ago. I think it was in 2012. Uh, he, Justin Jefferson, if he plays the final two games of the regular season, I think he breaks that, but I think there would be something nice and poetic about him doing it in 16 games because there, as record books happen and continue to change and evolve. Like people look at games played respect rightfully. So, and Calvin Johnson got 1964 and 16 games. If Justin Jefferson passes that number in 17, people are going to kind of put an asterisk on it. Fair, not who knows, but if Justin Jefferson can get two Oh nine this week, if the Vikings could beat the Packers in, in, in the process, um, I think that would be a really cool moment um, for a season. That's already seen a lot of really cool moments. So, I will take the under on 208 and a half because I'm not an insane person. Um, but I will take the over on 95 and a half Justin Jefferson receiving yards. Um, I think that's an easy go ahead and book it um, and, and and think about where you want to spend your money. So that's all we got for this episode of Inside Purple and Gold. We will be back on Sunday, New Year's Day. Could be a late record. Um, we'll see what happens. Maybe even Monday because of the it's a 325 start. Tom's going to be out in Lambeau field. Um, I'm not sure even when he'll be done writing. That's going to be such a, you know, a touch and go game. And and I think there's going to be a lot to write about afterwards. So we'll either come at you Sunday night or early Monday morning um, until next time. Thanks for listening. If, if you like what you're hearing, please follow, please subscribe, um, rate us, review us. That's inside purple and gold anywhere you get your It's Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, the odyssey app. Um, we really appreciate the engagement so far and uh, looking forward to hopefully covering a, a lengthy playoff run. So I'm Dan Musitani inside Purple and Gold. We're signing off.
0: 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.